Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. Happy to be back. Uh, It feels like we just talked not four or five days ago. I know, right? I was thinking about it and I'm like, huh, why don't I have like a crazy lot of things to talk about? Oh, yeah, because we just recorded a couple of days ago. Whoops. Yeah, it was funny because we recorded. So we delayed last week and then we decided to push recordings up due to, uh, you know, conflicts with uh, not conflicts, just opportunities to play Dead by Daylight with the uh, Hearth Hearth by Heroes. Sorry, Heroes. Heroes Heroes Hearth. Heroes Hearth. yeah, the stream that I do is called Hearth by Daylight. Yes. yes. And it was always on Thursday, so we're bouncing things around. And then I, I realized today, so I had the day off today, and I, and I turned to Ashley and I said, you know what? I haven't heard from Jocelyn. I should probably reach out because we bounced last week, and then she had her, you were busy all weekend, and then we're recording early this week. I wonder what she's had time to play. And honestly, like, I've only had time to just sample, like, some stuff across across the board one of which just came out today and i had some chances to to play it again having a day off so so uh, wait so what what just came out today that you dipped your toe into uh mario kart ios so nintendo's latest offering on smartphone (laughs) oh no why are you laughing like that it's because it's not great it's mario kart not on a console i i don't think anyone should be surprised by this it's uh okay jocelyn when I ask you how you would like to control Mario Kart, what's the first thing that comes to mind? A controller? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> what's the last thing that comes to mind? A phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming that's where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, well, not necessarily a phone, but like swiping. So. Mm, I, oh, no. Yeah, the way you control it is so it looks here's the thing going for it it looks great it it looks like mario kart it sounds like mario kart but that's always been nintendo's benefit when it comes to these these smartphone games is that they nail the aesthetics however they've taken this this premium experience on the consoles and literally boiled it down onto the phone and again a lot of people listening like oh why are you surprised i'm like i'm not really surprised i'm just i'm more surprised that they seem to have nailed it with fire emblem but with everything else, it just kind of feels like a watered-down experience. And and in Mario Kart, on smartphones, you control... So your character's in the middle of the screen, and it's auto-progression. So you don't control your speed or braking. All you're doing is steering and using items. So to steer, you swipe... You hold and, and move your thumb left to swerve... Uh, swerve to the left and then you hold your thumb down and to the right to swerve right and swerving like in other mario kart games allows you to build up a boost you know so as you're kind of like going around turns and stuff you can you um what's the word you drift i guess and uh you you build up a, a, a well a boost and that's essentially it as you move through these courses but the biggest issue is that it just feels so cumbersome and you really feel like the game is babying you in the sense that they've got the bumpers on. So if you remember Mario Kart games, you 
rub up against the side of the level or you fall off the edge, like you're penalized. In this oh thing. yeah, because no, the little uh, L- Lakota, Lakita, whatever Lakitu. dude on the cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He <laughs> he comes and has to fish you out. Exactly. So that happens occasionally in this game, but for the most part, you are just kind of like bouncing off the walls, but it's not punishing you because I think the game knows that you're going to always get an eighth just due to the cumbersome controls. And I just, I don't know. It kind of feels like. It kind of feels easy, but not, but also not fun. It's fun in moments. So there are these moments where it's like, okay, I, I think this is kind of fun. But then you realize, like, wait, I could just go play Mario Kart 8 on my Switch, and that would be more fun than this. And I, again, like, it feels great, or it, sorry, it looks great, it sounds great, but it just doesn't feel like Mario Kart. It feels like iOS and or like a smartphone game. And the worst part is, is that... I'm fine with the free-to-play trappings as long as the gameplay is fun and solid. And and in this case, the gameplay is not uh, solid or fun. Um, and with iOS 13, the addition of, of controllers, uh, Xbox One and, and PS4 and any MiFi sort of Bluetooth controller, same with Android. They, you know, Android supported controllers forever. You could easily have done, hey, we're going to do Mario Kart, but you have to use a controller. And I think that would have been more interesting to me but I know Nintendo isn't really interested in developing like an actual Mario Kart game on smartphones. Um, so what we've gotten is kind of a, a, a real bastardized version of, of, of a game that we beloved, right? Like a series mm-hmm. that we look forward to. And the worst part is that the monetization of it, so it's very free to play in the sense that you are summoning uh, uh, Mario Kart characters and parts um, so you build wait, up. What? Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it's it gets worse. Wait, wait, wait. In parts, so like Mario's no, arm, no, no. then Mario's leg, <laughs> no, then and Mario's... and parts. Oh, I was like, what is this game? This so terrible. It's funny. Like the next game I talk about, you'll be like, oh, I see where you maybe maybe heard in parts, uh, <laughs> but no, uh, Mario Kart and parts. So. You summon, so it's called pulling down on the pipe, and honestly, I don't, <laughs> I'm not joking, you are instru- I feel like that, that is something that was written in Japanese and then uh, lost in translation a little bit, because it sounds like um, just the kind of thing that in one language might be totally innocuous, but yeah. in another language, it's like, oh my god, what? I mean, best case scenario, it's a drug reference. Worst case scenario, it's a sexual reference. So, like, I think, I think, yeah, it's not a good choice of words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you, you literally have to pull down on the green pipe, and then out shoots, you know, characters or, uh, like I said, parts like uh, cart parts or glider parts. So there are three types: there are characters, there are carts, and there are gliders. Um, I think Mario Kart seven introduced sort of like the the short flying mechanic type thing uh so that's in there and it's all it's just like fire emblem in the sense that you are summoning and there are spotlights so right now they're running like the new york tour so the spotlight is now like you can you can summon you get extra chance to summon pauline from super mario odyssey and other mario games uh as lo- as well as specific you know cars so you a taxi and a taxi themed sort of uh, glider but that's 
that's the monetization. You're building up rupees or you're buying rupees to do these summoning to get your favorite characters. And then depending on the character and the track you're playing, those characters give additional bonuses from if you have a, uh, if you load up a map and you say, oh, um, if you play with Mario, you'll get three item slots instead of one. So Mario may be a, a tier one hero for this, for this race. So then when you run over an item block, you actually queue up three items. Or if, say, a third tier hero, Toad, if that's all you've got, then every time you run over an item block, you're only going to get one item to use and you have to you know, rinse, repeat. So there are benefits to having a good collection of characters so that you have better chances of winning in the races to get more stars and to progress faster and yada 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 and the the races are they pvp or i don't believe so like it appears as though you're facing off against other characters but i don't think it's live i think it might be sort of ghost data like ai i don't get the sense that those are real people because they all act relatively the same i don't even think it's good mario kart ai it's (laughs) just their it's like they're all racing individually, and then they've got like collision data to make sure, like, okay, if this guy bumps into that guy, make it look like they bumped into each other, and they exchanged insurance information, you know, down the road. <laughs> so, uh, it just it feels it's just not great. And the weirdest part is that it actually has a subscription service uh, called the Gold Pass. So for five dollars US a month, you become a gold member for this game. And that gives you extra rewards as you progress through the story um, and access to I a... am making such a big eye roll skeptical face right now. Like, oh, yeah. Come on, Nintendo. What are you doing? It's... I think it's... I don't know what this is. I feel like Nintendo saying we're going to go the premium route with our games and then only do it once and then hit it big with Fire Emblem Heroes, which is a very uh, simplified free-to-play game in the sense that there is one currency and there is one currency to buy and the rest is earned, you know? And sometimes you get that extra stuff through buying the premium currency, but you cannot buy all the other stuff in that game. It's just the orbs that you buy. And in this, to give it credit, you are just buying rupees to to do the, the summoning, but this gold pass... It's people might think like, well, do I have to buy this to play this? It gives you extra rewards and it actually gives you access to a higher speed. So for example, you and I both know in Mario Kart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this is, and this is why I want to talk about it tonight, even though I haven't really played a a lot of it and I don't know if I'm going to play much more, but it, it, a lot of people are talking about this golden pass and what it gives you access to the most egregious is it gives you access to 200 CC the max you can access by playing free-to-play is 150. Um, now, the difference is only speed. I found that 150 and 200 gives you the same boost to your point base when you're when you're going into a race. And the points calculate at the end to tell you how many stars you get. And you can get full stars without finishing first. You don't have to necessarily finish first to, to sort of clear the stage. Um, but 200cc wasn't fun. I played it. I so there's a there's a trial period for the Golden Pass for two weeks, and I mean I I did it and then canceled immediately because I really don't want to be charged for it. Uh, but I found 150 CC to be more fun because the faster I went, the more I was screwing up 
the turns because it's just so cumbersome trying to like swipe your way through a Mario Kart game. It's so yeah weird. It works better than you would think, but it still does. That doesn't make it right, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, because like I think it's gonna be terrible, so better than terrible isn't necessarily good <laughs> no it never becomes good it becomes i think at best serviceable uh i don't i don't know like i just i see where they're going with this but it's kind of weird to see like a summoning focused mario kart game where yeah. i'm not necessarily as attached to the characters so i don't know if i would ever put money into something like this where it's like i don't care if i can't drive as mario like i'm still playing mario kart i you know and um yeah it's just it's super it's super weird and and i'm a little concerned because like the next game they're doing is zelda right Mm. and if that's not a premium experience i don't know i don't know what that looks like but i'm i'm a a little afraid because they've They've literally doubled down on this free free to play stuff and it's getting grosser and weirder. Like the subscription service for Mario Kart and they're offering like three things for it and five bucks a month. That's mm-hmm. the cost of you know, all the new streaming services launching this fall. So what yeah, would you exactly. rather have? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, then, uh, tell me something that Nintendo's doing right now that is better than Mario sure. Kart iOS then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much anything. <laughs> I hear the Switch Lite is really good. I don't have yeah. one. But, uh, yeah, well, except for the drifting. So maybe we won't talk about that. Um, I'm, I've been playing a little bit of uh, Link's Awakening on Nintendo Switch, which is a remake of the original Game Boy uh, game that came out in 90, 93, I think. And I've been struggling... Now- is this a, a remake or a remastering? It's like, a, did they change it and fix it, or uh, this- was it broken? <laughs> I don't remember. No, the no, first I just game. Uh, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I never played the first game, so no, I, I don't. I guess broken. It, no, fix it I, is wrong. But like, did they did they change things and upgrade maybe like quality of life stuff, or like did they make any meaningful changes to the game, or did they keep it the same and just you know upgrade the graphics for the Switch? You know, I, I would call this, you know, a, a complete remake. Um, I don't remember, you know, beat for beat what Link's Awakening was on Game Boy, but I think it's got a true sort of feel of a remake in the sense that I'm playing it and I'm remembering these moments in the Game Boy game, but it's just better portrayed with the Nintendo Switch hardware. And the look of this game, as the fact that it kind of looks like a like a moving diorama, like real pieces put together, uh, but in a cartoony fashion. Um, and the weirdness of Link's Awakening, where they actually integrated some, you know, Nintendo and or sorry Mario characters uh, from the Mushroom Kingdom into the into the original game. You know, uh, there's like uh, chain chomps running around, and there's a couple, there was like a Goomba part where I go underground, and you really you really see that better in this remake than I ever remembered from the original. Uh, the original almost felt like they just threw sprites in because that's what they had. And maybe that's the reason they did it because, you know, back in those days, you, you did reuse assets as much as possible to, to kind of make the process less, less expensive. And, but here at this, you know, this HD remake, you really, you really do see those, those elements and, and it feels good. Um, yeah. The website does say things like 
um, reimagined and new and improved controls and stuff. Mm. So I feel like it's it's um, more along the lines of a new experience inspired by the original, maybe? Like, yeah. it, it does seem remake-y. It's definitely a remake, and it feels like a remake. This is by the same team that's done the 3DS remakes for Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. So I feel like they were... They're very well-versed to, to take on this project. And I think, you know, a game released on Game Boy and then bringing it up to, to the Switch, that's a really big jump. And you do feel it with the graphics and the way it plays. And it, it's solid. Like, as a 2D Zelda, it's really great. I, I you know, I, I was remembering the last one we played, which would have been Link Between Worlds. And mm-hmm. I really liked that one. Um, yeah, I like that one too. Yeah, and this I got pretty far, but then I remember I got I got stuck, and then I never. Oh, yeah, never went back to it. There, yeah, in the end game, it got a bit a bit wonky, but um, in this one, I feel like this one's more straightforward in the sense that it is it is still tied to its Game Boy roots. So I feel like there's nothing gonna there's there's not gonna be a lot in here that's too complex. Um, but they do they do some fun stuff with it. Like early on, you get the uh, I think it's I don't know what's but the feather, but it might be like call it's like the Rocco feather or something. I can't remember. But you get a feather that allows you to jump, so that allows you to kind of you know uh, you know dodge enemies a little better and like jump over holes and stuff. So the progression in the game is it feels really good, and I remember you know portions of it from when i was a kid and and seeing it now again like i never thought they would take link's awakening and think to remake it it just seems like one of those like lower totem pole zelda games that they just wouldn't revisit because there's so many other you know classics like Mm. even you know link to the past like they haven't even bothered to remake that one but they've done like direct sequels to it with link between worlds and stuff like that so it's really fun that they've done this uh, this one there are a couple of problems i've had with it outside of like the immense fun i've been having just working my way through the game um there's a bit of a slowdown like every time you transition screens there's a there's a bit of slowdown but the and then the game seems to like catch up with itself and it's fine uh it's a bit jarring every time it happens it's usually like when there's some sort of like fire effect on screen that it sort of is more noticeable uh and then we texted back and forth about this and that the dungeon creator mode you can't mm-hmm. there's no online functionality you you have to use an amiibo to share it <laughs> which is so weird i mean that's got to be an oversight that they're gonna fix like sooner rather than later right like i hope so i googled it like i i googled it to say like hey you know Link's awakening you know dungeon creator online you know sharing patch or something and no one's talking about it no one seems huh. to be and and I haven't gotten to the dungeon creator. That, that seems like I mean it's very much in the vein of um, Mario, right? The mm-hmm. Mario Maker stuff is like what I want to do is go in there and see you know what my friends are creating and play my friends' dungeons. And my friends don't live down the street. <laughs> and I understand that Nintendo, you know, wants to promote getting out and doing stuff with your friends. But like my friends are all over the freaking place now. Even Mm -hmm. like if I think about like my my IRL friends, like people I went to high school with, people I went to university with, they're all over now because we're grown up. Mm -hmm. So like I don't have like I don't go to school every day with my amiibos so I can share my dungeons with my friends. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean it sounds great on paper to to like, oh yeah, scan my amiibo and do my dungeon. But doesn't it sound easier to just say, here's even 
look, Nintendo, here I'll even do level codes. I will I will come down to your level and say like, <laughs> hey, just attach a random series of sixteen numbers to this level, and I will happily tweet it out to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, if you do look up sort of the dungeon creator and what it is, a story will pop up saying that the inspiration for the mode obviously was Super Mario Maker. And, you know, Miyamoto talking to Enuma and basically saying like, hey, you should do something like this and that. And he's like, yeah, it's a great idea. But the fact that you omit, you know, online functionality. Yeah, it's it's crazy. That's the whole point of building a dungeon. And I just, I don't know. I was talking a bit about it on the Patreon mini in the sense that maybe I'll do a, a dungeon just to do it. And then maybe when someone comes over, I'll try to convince them to sit down and do the dungeon but really, I remember when this game was announced and they showed the dungeon creator, you and I were enthusiastic about, you know, sharing levels back and forth. I would love to pop the the level into the Discord and have people play it there. Yeah. It's just, uh, man, it's it was such a bummer when I think it was, I was talking to Eddie about it uh, after Summoner's Call last week and he mentioned it to me and I was just like, what? That's... And I'm not normally disappointed by Nintendo, but that I really got disappointed, like, really disappointed that i wasn't going to be able to share my levels yeah i mean i'm sure i'm sure that they're they've got this coming i would think i i would hope so like yeah because again it's i can't believe no one's talking about it because this is obviously what i think is the biggest misstep of this entire game so far right like yeah yeah and and it's weird it's It's you know the game it's so weird uh, but the game is really great. Like the campaign, the so far of what I've played of the Zelda adventure is it feels very much like the game I remember playing as a kid and very much like a traditional 2D Zelda. And it's been so long since I've played one of them that I'm so happy to be back in that version of, of that world. And it looks fantastic. So maybe that's why people are, are ignoring it. And maybe Dungeon Creator isn't all it's cracked up to be because I haven't gotten there yet. Um... But yeah, it's just, I'm loving the tone, I'm loving the sounds, the music, the look and feel, the gameplay, but just knowing that that dungeon creator is going to be locked to an amiibo that is going to sit here until Jocelyn shows up with a a Switch or I go to her place with a Switch and say like, play my level, scan it, okay, I'm going home, you know? (laughs) I don't know why I walked or maybe you know there was a hill oh, that i parked that on with that? oh okay i was like why is what is that voice <laughs> i don't know maybe i was whispering maybe the kids are asleep i don't know you know the i, I don't know but uh it happened um but yeah it's it's a lot of fun i really think that if anybody obviously if you're a 2d zelda fan you should probably look into this one i don't think the dungeon creator stuff should turn you away i don't think anyone's coming to this game being like i just want to do the dungeon creator it's a cool extra feature but i don't think it's it's the winning feature and i, and I know pretty sure we were talking about you hadn't picked it up yet and you're a big zelda fan um and you were saying there was some stuff out there that was kind of keeping you away from it yeah i'm kind of on the fence just because i mean on the one hand i'm like give me a new zelda that i like so, I mean, mm-hmm. I wasn't a huge fan of Breath of the Wild, and I know they're just, it seems like there are just so many remasters and remakes right now. And I mean, Link's Awakening might kind of be the exception because I didn't play the original. So it's not like I'm playing Ocarina of Time for the 800th time. So <laughs> maybe Link's Awakening is something I should pick up. But I feel like, I don't know, I just, 
I want a new Zelda. I want a good Zelda. And I haven't had that in a while. And I've also seen a lot of people just saying like, Link's Awakening. This this is a weird game. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, do you mean weird? Like it's got an odd story. Weird as in you don't like the controls. Like weird can mean so many things. <laughs> I think it's, I see where people are coming from. It's weird in the sense that it's not a traditional you know point your sword forward type zelda game in the sense that it is it's got a weird story to it link has washed ashore in a mysterious island he's got to collect these instruments to wake up uh, the wind fish there's a giant birdo egg on top of a volcano for heaven's sake so it's weird there are chain shops running around there are goombas like there's something weird about it because it's not a traditional you know, save the Wait, princess like, Zelda. Like from Mario? Yeah. Weird. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I was saying before. <laughs> Remember I was talking about Goombas and Chain Chomps? Yeah, I <laughs> No, but the comp the, the controls are fine. The controls are perfect. I mean, it's a Zelda game through and through from a controls perspective. Uh, they've even brought forward, you know, the pinning from Breath of the Wild. So if you find something on the map that you can't quite access yet, for example, I found a, a wall that I could bomb, but I haven't got bombs yet. So I could open the map and like pin it with a circle to say like, maybe I Ryan did, Yeah, I did see that. That's that's really cool that mm -hmm. you can pin locations with different symbols on the map. That seems like a, I mean, well, you could do that in um, Breath of the Wild too, right? Did you just say that? I <laughs> I said, I I mean, I I said they brought it over from Breath of the Wild, so oh my it's god, fine. I... <laughs> it's you know what? It's weird being back on Wednesdays, but those who are lifers will remember that we used to record on Wednesdays not too long ago. Uh, but oh, man. it's okay. No, I think when people say it's weird, it's weird. It, you're, it, it's I'm not wrong. You're not wrong in the sense that it's not a traditional save the princess, save the world type Link adventure. Uh, or Zelda <laughs> Link Adventure, uh, Zelda Adventure. So in this one, Zelda's nowhere to be found. It is literally Link saving his bacon because he's trapped on this island. Uh, although the island's pretty pretty nice. I mean, the people there are very welcoming. I don't know why he wants to get off the island so bad, but he does. So that's sort of the the crux of the adventure. So I think that's where the weirdness comes in. Is that it's not a traditional uh link to the past 2d zelda game it's very much its own thing but a lot of those game boy games were do you remember that mario game boy game the first one that came out with the like the underwater like submarine game gun and and uh there was like there was like an egyptian level or which was really weird do you remember that one not even a little no like you never played any of well, the mario I, games on no game? i never i never had a game boy so oh okay Okay. Yeah, I never, uh, yeah, my experience with just Mario, Nintendo, everything was um, console only. So uh. I had like uh, Super Nintendo was my first one. And then I had all of the after that, but not necessarily like on release. And uh, I used to just get like boxes of pre-owned games from like my mom used to go to like the lion's auction and uh, <laughs> like <laughs> the library. And just we had so many we're done with, like when the library is done with things then 
It's, Move it's over, library. Old. It's old stuff. So, like, I was super out of the loop. But, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of money. So we did what we could. Yeah. The only thing I remember about my library in terms of, like, not books was they had movies. And the movie that always stood out to me on the shelf was that JFK Oliver Stone movie or whatever. Never watched mm-hmm. it. But it just always, like... Oh, man, I love that movie. I, I had I that on VHS. It was, like... I think it was three tapes long. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why it stood out because it was this big. It was big, yeah. Block of V8. Anyways, um, yeah, no. If you never had a Game Boy, then there were a lot of Nintendo mainline games like Mario and, and Zelda games. Uh, the first one that always came out on Game Boy was always weird, uh, but the second one or third iteration kind of got back on track. So like the first Mario game on game, and people who played these games are like you know not in to their to their podcast device like they understand it uh the first mario game was super weird and then the second one was a very traditional 2d you know mario game uh but the first one was very different and then the same thing with Link's awakening and they've done some weird and wacky stuff here but i think if you you know if you enjoyed link uh a link between worlds this is much more like that from a control and navigation and sort of gameplay standpoint the weirdness does come forward in terms of the setting and the some of the characters but it's very zelda um i don't think that should hold you back but uh, like look into it a bit more and see if maybe there's more weirdness to it that that's kind of you know sending you away but i i think there's there's a solid 2d zelda game here uh, and people are raving about it except for the weird goomba stuff i guess that is weird Well, maybe I will actually go and check this out. Especially, I might wait until they add online dungeon sharing. See if they do it. I would, man, the way they're pushing the Nintendo online service, I'd be so surprised. Um, but if you have the Nintendo online service, you could always just go play A Link, Link to the Past, which is in the SNES app right mm. now. So if you really want a 2D Zelda and you are and you want a safe bet, that's a, that's a safe bet. And you've already, you already own it because you're already subscribed. Right. I have too many subscriptions. So, so many subscriptions. <laughs> well, that one's easy to keep. They're basically giving it away at this point. I mean, if you yeah. had Twitch Prime, you got a year. So that was that was pretty generous of them. I did? Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I can't keep track of them all. I can't keep track of them all anymore. I Not really, even when really they're giving can't. them away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know what I signed up for, what I didn't sign up for, like what's automated every once in a while. My ESO subscription comes out. I'm like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to be a nerd about this with subscriptions, but I am like super duper on top of subscriptions in the sense that I set reminders before they like they re, you know, for example. So for Xbox Live, when I did that whole deal for Ultimate where I I upped my Xbox Live and then upgraded to Ultimate to sort of get like a, a year and a half of the Ultimate subscription. I've put a reminder in my phone saying like, hey, make sure you cancel by this date. And I'm pretty sure you can just cancel whenever you want. I don't have much things on. The only thing I have on recurring monthly is is Netflix because that's sort of like a done deal now. But uh, yeah, subscriptions, there's a lot of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a good segue. <laughs> no, but I want to I want to hear about Planet Zoo. Okay, so Planet Zoo is, uh, it's by the same people that did, like, Planet Coaster and actually the um, Jurassic Park game Evolution that I played. Um, oh. Was that last summer, I guess? It's Frontier, anyways, is the is the company. And 
It's right now in beta. So it just came out in beta, I think, either yesterday or today. And I had pre-ordered it because they announced it. I mean, I love all of these theme park simulations. I think they're really cool. So uh, it seemed like a no-brainer to me. It follows the same sort of like a template cookie cutter type game that these guys make in that you have the option to do like a career mode or which is kind of like go build your own park or you can go and do like the fix other people's art or parks more like a more like a story sort of thing so it's kind of like story mode or sandbox mode i guess is probably a better way to describe it and it's it kind of feels like it, it definitely feels like a beta and they only have the very first career park available or sorry, the very first like story park available. So it took me probably an hour to play through it. Like it was really fast. It was very tutorial like it was like, OK, go find the wolves. They're over here. Fix the tiger cage before we release the tigers so that, you know, people don't die. Solid, solid advice. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's just good zooming shit. Exactly, exactly. So it feels it's very, very, very similar to like Planet Coaster. It's like even the, the UI, like the interface when you first go into it, it's the same. Um, so they're borrowing a lot from the previous titles, but I don't know. They're. It's it's clunky and mm -hmm. I couldn't, I can't figure out exactly why. Like it feels very beta the, which it shouldn't be really if they're pulling from other titles that they've released in the past few years. Like you would think that it would be a little more polished, but um, it just, there were parts when I was trying to click a thing and it wouldn't register that I was clicking it. So I had to click it like 15 times for the button to actually push. And it's like, the button would be like two inches wide by like a half an inch tall. So it's a huge freaking button. And I would have to click all over the button before it would finally like find the spot to register as a button click. And I was like, wow, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's supposed to release, I think, in about a month. I believe it's November 5th or 6th or something like that. So mm -hmm. the, the release window is rapidly approaching and it does not feel polished or finished in any way, shape, or form. And I'm a little bit upset because I figured if you're pulling, like, it's basically Planet Coaster with the zoo skin on top, like, it should work. <laughs> yeah, so it, <laughs> and I, that's interesting. I mean, it, it does have a, a really kind of interesting mechanic in it in that if you have a viable breeding pair of animals in an enclosure, then you get little baby animals and then you can like either release them into the wild for like conservation points and then you can spend your conservation points on acquiring like different types of animals or you can choose to like sell them to other zoos for money and stuff so it, it's it has an interesting economy mm. but oh man i don't know the controls were just all so clunky and like even in that interface where you look at your animals because they put them in the it's called the trade center so it's basically like a holding area for your animals that's built into the game. So in the tutorial level, you could click on the top animal and then click shift and then click on the bottom animal and then say, like, deliver all of these animals to paddock one. And in the because uh, I played both like the scenario, the tutorial and the sandbox mode. 
I got into the sandbox mode and I had to do the animals one at a time, which when you're trying to transfer 12 peacocks, <laughs> oh my God, it's tedious. <laughs> yeah, it sounds, uh, does not sound like fun. Yeah, so like I feel like some functionality just isn't working properly right now. So like I said, this is the beta and it just came out in the past couple of days. So I'm hoping that they iron out a whole bunch of stuff, but like, this is the first beta that I feel really compelled to like give them feedback and like I need to figure out by like go on the forums or what because there were a lot of things that weren't very straightforward. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of like um I guess like uh paddock or habitat tools that didn't really work well. So depending on the angle of your camera compared to the angle of the fence if you clicked on a section of fence to try to like change it from like wood to brick or something or, or, you know, like brick to glass so that people could see in and see the animals, then, you know, if your if your camera was angled similarly to the angle of the fence, then like the select more fence, the uh, make it taller and the cancel buttons or like delete fence buttons were all one right on top of each other. So I'm like, what I want to do is extend this fence and turn it to glass. But what I accidentally did was delete my fence. And I'm like, this isn't what I wanted to do. But it's like, again, things on top of each other that shouldn't be and mm. uh, buttons that are like, look like they're clickable, but aren't clickable. So it is super rough beta right now. And I'm, like I say, worried considering their release is like five weeks away. Is there, a, is there a discount for buying early? Or do you feel like this is just the final release price of 50 bucks? Uh, I think it's the final release price. And you can only get beta access if you buy the deluxe edition. So it's not open for everybody right now. Oh. Uh, but yeah, so the beta did go live yesterday to people who have the, the deluxe uh, pre-order. Hmm. Which I did because it adds more animals. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds it sounds like it's very beta. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you probably could give it the benefit of the doubt in the sense that Planet Coaster was phenomenal at launch. Like, I think a lot of people were into that one. So, I don't see this one coming in broken, but those sound like things that could be glitchy in beta, like sort of collision mm -hmm. detection in terms of buttons overlaying each other and just sort of like flow type things what they're what they probably had to nail down first was the look and feel of all the animals and the way they interact with each other but now they're just trying to get all the ui elements in line and stuff like that so yeah maybe I I, it's so. funny because um even the the aesthetics and it might just be that i haven't played with my um like my graphic settings mm -hmm. quite enough but it was considering it's supposed to be or like one of the big features of the game is that you can like zoom down into an animal and see them in like cinematic mode. So again, very similar to like Jurassic Park Evolution had the same mechanic where you could like double click on a dinosaur. It zooms right down and you basically like just can watch a movie of this dinosaur moving around in its habitat. Mm -hmm. And you can do the same thing in the zoo, except for all the textures were so blurry and basic it didn't even look like it was made for PC. Like it looked like maybe it was an Xbox 360 game. Like they looked so bad. And I'm like, one of the big perks of these games is the ability to zoom right down in and then like feel like you're there. 
but everything, like everything, all the graphics looked really bad. So again, maybe I'm just not using the right, although I had them on high, but maybe I need to go to like super mega ultra omega graphics. I don't know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, I was really not impressed again, beta, but yeah. yeah, well, it'd be good to hear, you know, in a month's time when the final release comes out or even, I think at that point you, you could provide that feedback to them and see what people are saying and then see what the developer's response are because the response might be like, that's a critical fix that we're working on for this beta. Mm-hmm. Um, that's And I think that makes a lot of sense to me because, again, I haven't played the Planet Coaster or, or the Jurassic Park Evolution games, but I know one thing that wasn't a concern was sort of the UI. I think that's what kind of made those games so popular is that they nailed the ui of a sort of tycoon style game right mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it is it is frustrating when something comes out in beta and i mean it is beta but it can be concerning when you don't quite know like the roadmap they're working on like maybe the first thing on the roadmap is like literally fix the things jocelyn mentioned on the game you never know that's yeah that's true and i mean again like i said it is beta and this is the first day of the beta or the first 24 hours of the beta so there's a good chance that a lot of this stuff will get fixed but i mean i i don't know how big the um the team is but i i am a little worried given that you know it is a month away from release but i'll keep playing cool they've already they've already put out an update today so yeah they are actively working on it obviously well that's good i mean if you had to buy the digital deluxe version which might have been well it's 50 plus right it would be like 70 bucks canadian yeah yeah i'd be concerned too and i'd maybe (laughs) be looking at it i was like maybe i want to refund this one and come back when it releases like you should never sort of you should never color your opinion of a game just based on the beta but sometimes it's really easy to tell if like this thing ain't coming together in a month. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, yeah. having not played it, it, it really it's really based on your experiences, right? So but it sounds mm-hmm. sounds rough. It it was pretty rough and I but I also have pretty high expectations when it comes to these games because mm-hmm. I mean they've been making these theme park simulation time management type games forever. So <laughs> I mean expectations are, are high at this point, but Mm-hmm. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully, hopefully they uh, they fix some stuff up. But yeah, I I wouldn't uh, if you're looking for any type of uh, it, like larger than or like full game experience, then now is not the time. Because like I said, there's only the tutorial available in terms of like the career options, and then you can play around in sandbox mode. But sandbox mode seems super buggy. Because like even when I was trying to like buy. Um, and maybe it was trying to connect me to a server. I don't know. But I was trying to like buy animals, which is the only way that you can actually get animals into your zoo is you have to like go to the auction basically and buy your animals. And I kept trying to do it and it kept saying like failed to connect. And I'm like, connect me to what? <laughs> Just let me buy the animal. And uh, so I was sitting there for a while and I wasn't able to buy any animals for my zoo. And I was like, okay, this is kind of crappy. Okay, maybe. That's definitely a bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so that's kind of the thing is it like, you know, I would try to buy things and it wouldn't work. And yeah, so it, it's very, very buggy. It's, it's just in beta. So hopefully uh, they pick it up before it releases early November. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about Surge 2 before we jump into the news this week? Yes, yeah, so we've got some news to talk about, but um, I, won't, I won't stay too long on this one. I played a bit of the Surge 2 on Xbox One. Uh, I'm playing on my Xbox One X. I've been trying to find more games uh, to play on the Xbox One X because I did, I think I talked about it in the show, like I ended up getting a 4K television set for Christmas. You know, went through the whole like rigmarole to return my old Xbox and get and trade it in for a new one to kind of have that 4K experience. Um, so when opportunities have presented themselves, I've tried to get these games. So I did get a code for The Surge 2 to check it out. The Surge was a game uh, that was essentially a Dark Souls-esque game where you have this like robot suit. It's like an exosuit. And it allows you to collect you know, items and augment yourself by putting new arm, arm, leg, and chest and head slots, and then weapons, of course. So essentially, as you're moving through the game in combat, you would be given the opportunity to cut limbs off people and then steal their, like, their arm mods and their weapons and stuff. Now I understand why you were talking about parts. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I don't really know what the story was for the first one, and having played maybe three or four five hours of the second one i still don't really understand the story uh there's some sort of event i think it's the surge which is probably a good guess in the sense that it's uh sort of brought humanity to a post-apocalyptic sort of state where i don't there's not really robots roaming around but just like crazy people with robot parts um Mm -hmm. and you are a sole survivor of an airplane crash uh, I don't know if the first one had this, but in the second one, you get to create your own character, male or female, do some customizations there. And then you're basically released into the wild and you're slowly introduced to this uh, this mechanic of, you know, combat, very much Dark Souls, but also this mechanic of having the exosuit and augmenting yourself with different parts and stuff. Um, so it starts off with you just, you know, disarming people, literally, and taking their weapons and using those weapons and, and equipping them. But soon you get into the sort of the mechanics of um, constructing new arm parts and, and uh, more, more, you know, more armor, essentially. So, but yeah, it's very Dark Souls um, in the sense that the combat is that methodic, you know, no, yeah, no holds barred in the sense that if you, you start an animation, like you can't pop out of it. You have to be very methodical in the way you approach combat. Um, but where I've enjoyed it more, because I always think I would love to get into a Dark Souls game, but not Dark Souls. And I think, <laughs> you know, I think Bloodborne did that a bit for me. I got very far into Bloodborne, but I did eventually hit that wall of like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and I think Darksiders 3 more recently was one of those ones where it was a nice balance once I kind of figured out, you know, the gameplay difficulty I need to play on. So with the Surge 2, what I've really been enjoying is the combat doesn't feel as punishing as the Dark Souls games. It feels more inspired by than we're literally going to, you know, copy the book. Uh, so you're able to target specific body parts and the way you analyze like an enemy, you can see that, oh, their head and legs are armored, but they have a, an exposed arm. So as you're you're doing the combat and with many different weapons that you find uh, across the world, you can target in on that unarmored piece of, of their body. And as you whittle down sort of a sub bar of health, you then get the opportunity to 
use one of the batteries you've built up to essentially chop that arm off and that kills the enemy pretty much instantly <laughs> um so that's a cool way to kind of get around just oh i've got to hit this guy enough times before i die and all of his health goes away so essentially like once you've targeted a specific unarmored part of their body long enough you get the prompt to hold the x button to start a really cool animation where you you uh really coolly you know chop their arm or leg off or or even their head it's pretty gruesome um <laughs> but they started it so is that is it's kind of a you know tit for tat type situation um but i'm i'm enjoying those parts of it i'm really digging sort of the you know the mentality of you're you're presented with an area and that area starts with with a med bay uh which is where you step into this med bay and it it's basically acts as your ability to like level up and and uh increase your stats and and change your gear and upgrade um that's your starting point and in like dark souls if you die you go back to that starting point and you leave a little like piece of yourself there that you have to go recover and i know i i have mixed feeling on that mechanic i'm not over the moon about it and sometimes i outright despise it like if i die when i have like 2000 i think they call them tech shards and then you die on the way back to those tech shards they're gone Mm. and that is probably the most frustrating thing in video games uh maybe outside of touch controls in mario kart but uh but there are other moments where you do recover those tech shards and then you do finish beating that leg of the game and what i find super satisfying with the surge 2 is the way they lay out their sort of environments where you you know you got to get from point a to point b but point a to b is filled with enemies that that could tear you a new one and it's very hard to just do the whole thing in one go so you have to be on the lookout for shortcuts and the shortcuts if you play if you've played any video game really you know like okay left is the way to the main objective but right i know there's a secret down there and sometimes the secret is just some extra you know scrap or parts but other times it's just this door you open and it leads you to like gives you a shortcut to the med bay so if you die you have a a shorter path to get back on uh to get to the end goal right so i really like that it feels super satisfying to like go down a hallway and realize like oh i just unlocked a shortcut so that when i die and you will um (laughs) i i have a shorter path to take to that i that i had before so i really like that and i'm not gonna lie there have been moments where i've been very frustrated with the game in the sense that i have gone up against a couple encounters like three or four times and died every one and sometimes you'll have a good run where you're able to get back to the guy who killed you and try again and still die other times you'll have a terrible run you'll die on the first enemy that comes across you because just like dark souls if you don't block properly you Mm. take a chunk of health um and that that does whittle away pretty quickly uh there's a stamina bar just like dark souls so that if you're doing a large combo and then you realize oh i have to block now or i'll die and then you don't have enough stamina to block um or maybe you just don't have enough health to block there is a parry system but i'm not good at it (laughs) uh which is always and i'm not gonna lie like there's a parry system and i mean if your timing's good yeah that's great but if you're like me and you have terrible timing um it's not good 
but you you know as you combat you build up these your third bar which is a battery and then that's what you use to uh use to regain health so it's not like dark souls or or bloodborne where you had to have like health potions uh so that's that's really cool i like the way they've set up this push pull system as opposed to in dark souls and bloodborne where you had to have physical items that you were finding around the world that were finite in this i'm rewarded for continuing to fight and then when i die and i get my stuff back and i just happen to make it to the next sort of shortcut to go back to the med bay it feels very much feels more like a roguelike in the sense that i'm progressing slowly by progressing through the game as opposed to in dark souls if i have one bad run i feel like i i I won't be able to level up you know whereas in this i can kind of you know go out there make progress and then level up and then continue to make progress it's less the game's less against you than in those other ones so it's it's a good balance but it doesn't eliminate sort of some of those mechanics that is that have probably turned a lot of people away from from a dark souls-esque game um yeah but i like the balance and and i dig the world it's it's very kooky it's very like cyberpunky where everyone's got these like weird modifications and everyone's talking like they're in some sort of cult or whatever and and you (laughs) like your character have no idea what's going on because you just you literally woke up in prison and i'm like i feel for you bud like i also don't know what's going on but let's go salvage some parts <laughs> i don't know it's super weird but it's it's a lot of fun and i'm i'm gonna keep playing it and i mean if i probably get to a couple more bosses i might come back on the show and be like man this game it's not fun but so far i'm digging it good i'm glad i i did see it it came up on my like steam not notifications but like suggestions of like things your friends are playing and i was like maybe but yeah not if it's too dark no i do i really don't think this one would uh this one's borderline for me and again Mm -hmm. like i i ran into a couple of tough spots tonight and i was thinking like ah i need to change the difficulty of this because i just can't because uh i can't and there as far as i could tell there's no option to turn down the difficulty so it doesn't even have those accessibility sort of options um, so I would say, yeah, this one's not for you, but if you're itching for, you know, a, a, a tech related sort of bloodborne dark souls game, this one's, this one's right up your alley. And, uh, I remember the surge doing quite well for itself. So the surge two feels like a, a more fleshed out, uh, well, I've never played the first one, but I, I think it's a, I think a lot of people have been saying it's a really good sequel. So yeah, it's worth checking out if you're into that stuff. Very cool. I uh, wanted to remind everybody that if you like what we do, you can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support the show. You can also send us your feedback either by emailing the show at info at or you can talk to us over on the Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. That brings us to the news this week. We are talking about basically Nintendo Direct, except for not Nintendo, but like everybody's doing them now. So yeah. <laughs> uh, first up, we have PlayStation. They did their state of play presentation which talked basically about the last of us part two mm-hmm. so ryan i know you played last of us you love last of us does the new trailer from last of us part two get you super excited uh here's the thing last of us part two this trailer they released the first trailer they released was like okay i'm in i like it 
it's folk, you're playing as Ellie, you know, uh, the secondary character from the first one. Uh, we don't know where Joel is. Like, it, it set up the world in a way that, yes, I want to explore this world. Uh, so it did its job. I think we're getting into the territory where the trailers they're going to show from now on, especially since the it was unveiled that the game would be coming out February 21st, 2020, these trailers are going to be more filled with spoilers in order to tell the story. Enticeful. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the first time we've got a, a solid release date, right? We didn't mm -hmm. have a release date before. No, we didn't. So this is this was the announcement for the release date. And February uh, 2020, that makes perfect sense to me. I feel like next year is the last year for the PS4. Um, I could see The Last of Us Part Two having a similar sort of treatment as the first one because it released in the last year of the PS3 and then a year later was ported to PS4. So we'll probably see this come out on PS5 at some point. Uh, but yeah, the trailer's a bit spoilery. And I mean, if you're the type of person to connect the dots and this one like really lays out the dots, it's essentially a line. Uh, those dots are so close together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you're trying to avoid spoilers, I think it's best to watch the first trailer and if you're in don't watch that trailer like i've i'm still cool with it in the sense that you know probably could have seen it coming a mile away based on you know just the way the the, the game you know if you played the first one you kind of know the formula they're working with it's the post-apocalyptic world zombies bad things happen so the characters got to be driven to do something about it right so the, but this trailer is pretty spoilerific in the sense that i think they're laying out something here uh but yeah i i think it looks fantastic i mean it looks amazing i don't know how this is a ps4 game but evidently it is i'm actually i'm i'm kind of intrigued about like whether or not i'll have to actually go and play the last of us in order to enjoy part two only because it's such an old game now. It came out in 2013. I do own it. I just, yeah. I've never actually played it. So I'm, I'm kind of curious if I can just jump into two or if I have to go and play one. I think there are beats from the first one to explain character relationships. Uh, but, th but that could be solved in just watching like a Last of Us part one in five minutes like i think there's the relationship between joel and, and ellie which are the two main characters from the first one i think that's very important to understand um what drives these characters in the second one uh and then some other characters that pop up so we see some returning characters in this trailer to understand who they are and even myself has played the first one a long time ago i was watching this trailer and i'm like trying to remember like okay who's that guy he's somebody's brother but i don't remember <laughs> uh, he's important. I don't know. So I think just watching like a refresher, you should be fine. If you do really want to skip the first one, I don't think it's required. Like this one's appears to be a different story uh, being told around the same characters. Like it's not a continuation from what I can gather, even though it is called part two. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't feel like this is the second part to the story of the first one, if that mm. makes any sense. It's like part two because it's later on in the life of these characters, not yeah. because, yeah. And I mean, I can't so say that definitively because, again, I haven't played the second one. Maybe the second one does touch on, you know, the story from the first one. But so far, it feels very different. Mm -hmm. uh, so other than Last of Us Part 2 and their launch date and the new spoilerific trailer, was there anything else from the state of play that's worth mentioning? 
Not really. It was like an 18 minute lead up to a trailer for The Last of Us. I didn't watch yes. it. I just, I feel like Nintendo does this stuff so much better in that they are able to present a 40 minute video that people look forward to. And these days, if your video's over three minutes, it's like, oh gosh, guys, come on. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, Those if short we're, attention spans, though, I, it's not even that. It just feels like they're, they don't have a lot to talk about. I think one of the other announcements was like a midi- medieval demo for like a the remake of a PS1 game. I don't, it's not really my thing. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, Last of Us Part 2 is the big, big info. Uh, so Xbox also did one of these um, direct type video presentations and they were talking about xCloud. So that's going to go in public beta. And this is, uh, speaking of streaming services like we were earlier... This is their streaming offering to compete with um, Stadia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. So this xCloud is kind of like a, a suite of features. And I think what they're working on for this public beta is literally, like, like you said, like the competitor to Stadia and that you're going to be able to buy games on your Xbox account and then stream and them to your stream phones. them yeah that's yeah. that's key yeah the streaming part of it is key and they did mention that there's going to be a, a few titles so i mean the one that caught my eye obviously is sea of thieves because like i look at sea of thieves and i'm like that's gonna be streamable that seems crazy yeah even like halo 5 like halo 5 is a, it's a shooter <laughs> like well halo 5 gears 5 like killer instincts a fighting game and that's yeah. that's always been the bar for people is like how could you do a stream a fighting game first person shooters they've been dealing with you know network lag for years uh killer but fighting games has always been tough um i mean they've gotten close to perfection but there's still like that net code that that uh, can cause sort of concerns so unfortunately this public beta won't be available for us in canada it's only us right. uh, south korea and uh, the uk uh and only android phones at this moment in time but yeah i mean i i just want to see it in more people's hands to know if it's real to know if it mm-hmm. works because right now it's just microsoft saying trust us it works um which i mean you know maybe it does but <laughs> i really want to hear from the general public for sure yeah i want to see what it's like over different internet connections and different places on different devices like there's so many variables with all of these game streaming services that make me just go but really is that gonna work because i don't yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah even over cellular because that's the big test like being able to play these games while you're literally on the bus or the train or you know waiting in a doctor's office you know, to be able well, and to how much kill data 20 minutes. Is that gonna, how much data is that going to use too? Because that's another big question if you're talking about cellular. Like, yeah. I mean, I have a pretty big data plan now. I think I've got like 10 gigs a month or something. And even then, like just browsing Twitter really mm-hmm. and, you know, like watching little videos and stuff that get posted there. Like, man, I get close. Yeah. I get close on my, on my data account. So I'm like... If I'm doing that already, that and I'm also in Wi-Fi quite often because I obviously work from home. So just the idea of streaming a game on my cell phone away from Wi-Fi, I'm like, man, that must just eat up your plans so quickly. 
So maybe that's why, like, I don't know if Canada is different than a lot of other places, but as far as I know, there's no Canadian carrier that offers unlimited data other than a couple of the, um, like, I don't want to call them discount carriers, but we have some carriers in Canada that basically only work in major cities. Mm -hmm. And I think a couple of them have... um, basically unlimited plans but then the limit on those plans is like as soon as you're driving between the cities then your cell phone service doesn't work anymore so it's like it's great for people that never leave toronto but if you're traveling at all out into outskirts of of which in canada we have a lot of outskirts it's (laughs) kind of our thing you lose your yeah you lose your signal so uh yeah the big three do have unlimited plans like rogers bell and um tell us but they they cap them so essentially it's the same as your 10 gig plan well then yeah if it's capped it's not unlimited (laughs) well they they cap it in the sense that they sorry they speed cap you in the sense that Mm. once you go over 10 gigs you're basically on a 3g connection which i mean oh that would be so frustrating it's brutal but i guess it doesn't cost it costs you more up front (laughs) it's weird it actually costs you more to switch to unlimited, but then your phone becomes useless after 10 gigs. So it makes more sense to just be, you know, diligent and just have a 10 gig, 10 gig plan. Um, but for me, I, I'm, I, I'm outside of just trying to see if this works. I, I don't know when I would use it, but I think xCloud is more interesting than Stadia in the sense that when I buy Gears 5 or play Gears 5 on my Game Pass... Um, I'll still be able to play the true console or PC version when I want to, and maybe just stream it every now and then, you know, when I, Mm -hmm. when I'm in a pinch, I don't think like Stadia, I don't think it becomes the, the only way I play these games. I prefer to see Project X Cloud as like an extra service that just gives me more access to, to my games as opposed to being a sole way to access those games. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm curious to see how this thing performs for sure. Now, did you want to talk about the Oculus as well or? Oh, man. Um, Yeah, Oculus also had their Oculus Connect event. And basically the biggest news to come out of it was uh, the Oculus Quest, which is their, you know, standalone. So we played the Oculus Rift at your place. The quest, right, and you yeah. needed to, to set up all the external sensors. Yeah, so the Quest is a standalone headset with the touch controllers all in one so no pc uh and it works really great and it reviewed really well basically what they announced was you'll be able to play all oculus rift games on your quest by just plugging your quest into a pc and the pc does all the work and you get to experience it on your quest so essentially it saves you from having to own two VR headsets, you can kind of buy the Quest, which is the more inexpensive, uh, inexpensive one, and you're still able to play your full, you know, software library. Full library, yeah. Yeah, you just plug it in with a, a USB 3.0, and it it's a, you know, it's it's a lower quality headset than the Rift S, but still, like, I think VR is still one of those like fringe gaming platforms, in that you probably will feel weird if you invest the amount of money required for two different types of headsets. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a good feature that's just going to make an inexpensive version of the hardware more attractive, which is really nice for sure. 
Very cool. Very cool. So again, if you guys have any questions, comments, thoughts about anything we talked about today, you can talk to us over on the Discord, which is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also email the show at info at gamersinpodcast.com or you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan at Star Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are streamed on Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash thegamersin and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. Thanks for staying at The Gamers In. And remember, tune in next week. <laughs>